0: Well, I remember it uh, very clearly. I was sitting at a a desk, and uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but because of my ADHD, uh, reading books didn't used to be a thing for me. Has anyone ever tried to read a book when you can't focus on more than three sentences at a time? It makes it challenging. I don't know if you know this or not, right? Uh, Mine's picture books. Those are fun. (laughs) Uh, Those are pretty easy to read and discover. Uh, A friend of mine suggested a book to me called The Birth Order Book. And the book was essentially uh, your personality based on the order in which you were born and what it says about you and maybe some of the challenges you have and maybe a better way of understanding yourself. I myself am a baby of the family. Is anyone in here the last born of their family, the baby of their siblings? Raise your hand. How many of you are the first born of your siblings? Raise your hand. Right? How many of you are the middle children? Yep. Yep, that explains a lot. No, just kidding. Uh, That's... uh, it's absolutely a baby uh, birth order thing to say. Um, sorry about that. That was just mean. Uh, it's the Christmas spirit, right? I shouldn't be a jerk like that this early. Um, so I read this book, and as I opened up the book, I went through the table of contents, and I was flipping through, and, uh, and I was trying to find where the babies of the family was like in the book. And so uh, I went through the chapters, and it was like an introduction about birth order, and blah, 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 blah. It was like firstborn. Uh, Middle children, uh, blah, blah, blah. And then the second to last chapter was on the babies of the family. And I thought, well, that is the stupidest thing ever. I am not going to read this whole book just to get to the section about me. So I flipped to my section of the book about me, right? And the first sentence said, I'm on to you, babies of the family. I know you skipped the whole book and just came to your section. (laughs) And I remember setting the book down, like, oh my goodness. Then he went on to say, now, since you're here, let's be honest, you're not going to flip back to the front and read, but you should really go back and read at some point about the rest of your family. But since you're here, let's talk about you, because after all, (laughs) that's what you want. And I was like, wow, this uh, this book's going to be really good, I have a feeling. Uh, But growing up as the baby of the family, I felt like I always, it was always my task to kind of be the funniest Like, to get people's attention, I had to have, like, the best jokes or the best one-liners, often to the dismay of my siblings, because I just became often the most annoying person in the family. Any older siblings agree that their youngest siblings are the most annoying people in the family? Okay, good. Okay, good. It seemed like, as the baby of the family, I always had to have the best material. I always seemed to be the most annoying, and it seemed like... No matter how hard I tried, I lost every argument. But little did I know that was just going to prepare me for marriage. So it was great training coming up for, for that, right? But here, here's, what I've here's what I discovered over my life of dealing with family members and, and dealing with kind of the dynamics of being the baby of the family was that I hate being wrong. Does anybody else in the room just hate being wrong? But here's what, as much as I hate being wrong, you know what I love more? Being right, Yeah, some of you filled in the blank for me very quickly because you're probably just like me, right? And I always often wondered with my siblings and with my mom and even older adults, I would always wonder, how are they right so much? How is it I'm always wrong and they're always right so much? Because that's what I want to be right a lot. How is it they are right so much? And here's what I've discovered over, over many years of being wrong and sometimes being right is this, is that most of the, most of the situations that I were in, uh, they, the people had uh, more time on earth than me. They had more experiences in me in the situations we were talking about. And they actually had an understanding of how things worked. Right, There are multiple times uh, where I'll be talking with an athlete that I coach, and I'll tell them to do something, and they look at me after they've done it correctly, and it works, and they go, I don't understand how that happens. It's like, well, I've just seen that a lot, so I know that that's the correct way of doing things. And listen, clarity and seeing things clearly and understanding things clearly comes from this really good combination of these things, time, experience, and knowing how things work. How things actually pan out and how they work. And as we are in our last week of this series called A Pixel Perfect Christmas, we have this desire to see our Christmas today through the lens of the first Christmas written in scripture and what do we have to learn to see things clearly based on what they saw back then And so for us, in our final week, we are going to look at a passage of Scripture that allows for us to experience clarity as we see things this Christmas Eve leading into Christmas. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15. If you don't have one, there's probably a Bible Uh, in front of you. You can use that or you can uh, sneak a peek off the person next to you or if you don't have a a Bible, a study Bible or anything you read on a regular basis, uh, we have some we'd love to just give away to you for free as a Christmas gift to you. So just come talk to me after service and we'd love to give you one uh, free of charge. And they're really nice too. So uh, it could be a Merry Christmas gift to yourself. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15. So let's get caught up on the scene. This is the, this before we pick up here, Mary has given birth to Jesus. Okay. And officially, she, the, the birth has happened, and the shepherds uh, in Luke chapter 1, in the first part of Luke chapter 2, they have received some visits. From some heavenly people, as if you're used to Christmas carols, some heavenly hosts have uh, informed them of some things that are going to happen. They said, if you go here to the town of David, in it will be born to you today a Savior. And so it picks up right after these people have experienced this. We pick up in verse 15. And it says this, when the angels had left them, that's the shepherds, when the angels had left them, they had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord Has made known to us. Now, pause for a second here. Go ahead and put this picture up here because I think sometimes when we read names and places and locations in scriptures, it's hard to uh, actually see what's going on. So, this is kind of a zoomed in view of Israel and uh, they left Nazareth because I don't know if you remember this or not, but just as a way of reminder, if you did or didn't know, There was a decree that got announced that every person had to go and be registered because of a census. And so Joseph and Mary had to leave where they were at and go to where Joseph's hometown was, which was Bethlehem. And so by way of travel, this would have been the easiest way of travel for them to go from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. They would have gone to Jerusalem. Uh, Any person who was Jewish during that time uh, and in their culture, if they were within a certain mile of Jerusalem, they went out of their way to visit the holy city. Uh, It was always a stop that people made because of what it stood for to them. And so Nazareth down Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem, which is not that far from Jerusalem. So uh, Joseph and Mary are there, and the shepherds are just on the outskirts of Bethlehem whenever they get this experience from these heavenly visitors. And so they go and they visit them. Let's keep reading it in verse 16. Uh, it says this. So he says, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off. And found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, if you would, go back, just go back a few verses to verse 15. Because I want, I want for you to pay attention to, to make special note of the response that the shepherds have. And specifically, and I don't know what your translation says. And in my translation, it says that they want to go to Bethlehem so that they can see what has happened. They want to see what has happened based on the information that has been made known to them. See something, I want to see it for myself because of something that has been made known to them, right? And this idea of seeing something versus what I've heard about is a pretty normal process for all of us, right? Uh, If you've ever had a child holding something, telling you, hey, I need to fix this one thing. It's got this uh, little part back here and this tab, and I don't know if it pushes or pulls, and I can't seem to get it off. And you're like, what's your first? Okay, just let me let me see it, right? Okay, all right, that's fine. Just Okay, okay. let me see it. Hey, could you come here and help me? Just, Okay, fine, let me, let me see it, right? I've made known this thing, now let me go and see it. Well, you are never gonna believe what I found in the backyard. It's this thing, it's got like, the, you know what? Just, you have to come and see it. Right? Information is made known, and then we have to go and see it for ourselves. Because, in fact, let me see it is really saying, let me understand it fully. I have this little bitty grasp of what you're talking about, but let me see it up close personally is really saying, let me understand it fully. And that's what the shepherds are doing here. They have heard of something, they know about it, but now their desire is to go and let me see it so they can fully understand it. It's here where I just want to take a pause for a second. And I just want to talk about something that might make um, a few people (laughs) uncomfortable. Um, Fully understanding something and not understanding enough about something is the tension that exists for us as people especially when we talk about our spiritual lives. Fully understanding something and not understanding enough of it is this tension that we all seem to operate in as people in our lives, but especially as people when we talk about our spiritual lives. Situations happen that we don't understand, we can't comprehend, we don't know all of the details of, and because of that, in some situations, we begin to question our faith, we question the goodness of God, we question any belief that we might have of spiritual value, and it 's all triggered because we don't fully understand why they happen or or what was the purpose behind them happening i mean it's it's the reason that all the information we have and all the studies that are being put out and all the data that's being put out points to uh, People of faith over a 10-year time frame from the ages of 20 to 30 and even to 35 years old walk away from the faith that they used, to, they used to have. Because either one, something happened to them and they didn't fully understand it. And because they didn't fully understand it, this doubt or lack of faith or whatever you might want to call it creeps in. And so because I didn't fully understand it, we just walk away from it. And then sometimes, if we're being honest, we've experienced, especially in the American church, we've experienced people who were spiritual influences in the lives of others. Those people failed us. Those people disappointed us. And because of that, we discovered that our faith was not in the person of Jesus, but was in the person of whoever, fill in the blank. And when that person disappointed us or failed us and we didn't fully understand what was happening or we didn't have enough of the picture, the tension existed and we just walked away from it and stopped believing. And may I submit to you this morning that a pixel perfect Christmas happens when we investigate things instead of ignoring them. That when we have moments that we could either look further into it or we could decide just to ignore it. For us to see things clearly in our lives, both as human beings and as people who are followers of Jesus. Instead of ignoring them, we just investigate them. And the shepherds set this model for us. The angels showed up. They could have just dismissed it. They said immediately, we have to go to Bethlehem. We have to see for ourselves what it is has been told to us. And this morning, I just want to encourage you, whatever brought you here into this building or whatever maybe has you watching online right now for whatever reason, whether you're a person who's followed after Jesus for as long as you can remember or if you're a person who used to go to church and used to be a person of faith and you've walked away from that or if you got tricked into coming here because someone promised you a lot of gifts after church, whatever that reason might be, can I just encourage you to pull on the thread that might exist this morning in your spiritual lives. Whatever it is you might be seeking after or whatever it might be that brought you here, my encouragement would be that you continue to pull on that thread and to investigate whenever situations come up where you don't have all the information instead of just ignoring and giving up. Much like our shepherds have modeled here for us in the story of the first Christmas. But there's a second There's a second uh, person that makes this whole scene worth it in this process. In verse 19, it says this, But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Now, I would like for you just, if you could go along with me here for a second, these two verses, especially verse 19, seems to be what I would call, um, for lack of a better word, like a throwaway verse. We have this story where angels have showed up, they've they've told the shepherds, you have to go and see, here is this Savior that has been born, and they go, and sure enough, they're there, and then verse 19 says, and Mary just treasured everything up in her heart. And then it jumps right back to the shepherds and they go and they rejoice and they, they tell all the things that they've seen and people are amazed. And from the big picture in this moment, I just want to pull back for a second, just in case you've missed this in the years you've heard this Christmas story, to maybe see the big picture clearly, pixel perfect clear for just a moment. You see, these shepherds come telling this story of this angelic encounter and as they're going about, and this is, and this is the St. Jeremy, right? This is not in the Bible. So as they're going to go see this person that the angels have told about, they're telling people they've seen angels. And people are amazed at this story. And they're getting into town and they're like, we saw angels. And they told us that he would be right here. And then we came here and then it was like... There was, They didn't have enough rooms at the Motel 6. And so, the, literally, it was right here. Like, it's right here, exactly like the angels said that it would be. And people are amazed by this story. And then they get to Mary and they're like, Mary, you are never going to believe this. We were out in a field. And it's like, whoa, angels open up the heaven. And they're like, today, here's good news. There's going to be a boy born. You just have to go and see him. And we came here and he was here. Isn't that crazy? And you know what Mary's response probably is? Huh, sounds familiar. Because just nine months ago, Mary was just living her life and an angel showed up and told her all the things that were getting ready to happen. And while all the commotion is happening with the shepherds and people are amazed by this story, Mary just sits there and goes, huh, yep, sounds about right. An angel showed up, told you something was gonna happen. God was up to something and it happened. And I love the humanity in this story. What seems like just a throwaway verse, but Mary was treasuring up all of these things in her heart and meditating on them. Have you ever had a moment in life where you just sit back and you think about certain situations, how things have played up to this moment? I can't help but picture Mary sitting there listening to these stories and all the commotion and the excitement and the joy and in her heart, she's like, yep. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. You see, in the very first Christmas, Mary, Mary gets to have a pixel perfect view of Christmas. From the start to the finish, she gets to see God speaking to her going through all the trials, all the situations that come along with that, and then watching other people get to share that same excitement of the birth of her son, the baby Jesus. After everything she's been through in this moment, she sees everything crystal clear. You know, there's an old phrase that says uh, that hindsight is 20-20. And as someone who wears contacts and could not even see anywhere near that without them, I appreciate the fact that 2020 vision is available. But the old expression, hindsight is 2020, really means, and what you're saying is, well, if I could have seen then what I can see now, or if I could have known then what I know now, I would have done things a little bit differently than what I did. Can I just pass along to you that Mary gets. Mary gets to have this unique circumstance in the first Christmas where she gets 20-20 vision, be able to see what God was doing. In this moment, she gets to experience that. And this morning, what I'd just like to share with you is whether you find yourself as one of the shepherds in this story, if you relate to them as someone who's seeking out, trying to find something or if maybe you maybe find yourself this Christmas more of someone who's in a position of Mary treasuring and meditating on the things that you have seen God do, wherever you might find yourself, the birth of Jesus is our reminder that God keeps his promises, that God works in all situations, and that the good news is available for everyone. Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Christmas is our reminder that God keeps his promises he works in all situations and the good news is available for everyone so this Christmas it's my hope and my prayer for each person that you would get to experience a pixel perfect Christmas as you celebrate today or tomorrow that you would know that whatever situation you might find yourself in God is at work that whatever you might be longing for, what you might, or you might be seeking for, whatever you might be chasing after, if you have yet to find it, you will find it in the person of Jesus. And whatever it is that might be hanging over your head or whatever it is that you might be uh, shaming yourself over or whatever guilt you might be experiencing, I'm reminded... And would like to remind you this Christmas that because Jesus came to earth, good news is available for you and for everyone. That forgiveness and grace and mercy is available for everyone. It's funny how hindsight is 2020 because we can look back and we can see that the birth of Jesus was really just the start of this whole thing that played out and that worked its way all the way to the cross of Jesus. And that's the good news. You can't have the good news without Jesus being born and you can't have the good news without Jesus choosing to lay down his life on our behalf. And every Sunday we get together and we talk about the good news of Jesus and we celebrate the good news of Jesus and we have to talk about the cross in which Jesus was crucified and which he laid down his life on our behalf, that he sacrificed himself, that he came here to this earth for us. Best Christmas gift ever. So we do that and we celebrate and we recognize that in a couple of ways by taking communion together, which is up here in these baskets. We do it by giving our tithes and offerings in the giving boxes. We do it by spending time praying with people in the room or by spending time prayer up here around the stage. And then we do it by singing of songs together and worshiping through music. So, wherever you might find yourself this Christmas, may you see it clearly that if you're seeking something... It will be found in the person, in the words, and in the works of Jesus. And wherever you might be at, maybe you're more like Mary. You're in a position of treasuring the things that you've been able to see God do this past year in your life. Wherever you might be at this morning, I pray that you would take that heart and that attitude in prayer as we go to our time of response together. So let's pray. So Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that anything that we could be looking for, could be found in you All that we want all that we could ever need is found in you because you are enough The way that you extend grace and mercy and forgiveness in ways that we could never even understand is is only is only just a sample of how you lived your life in ways that we can't understand. And so I pray that we might be able to accept the grace and forgiveness that you offer us, the peace that is available, the hope that is available. So this morning as we come to the table to take communion, as we spend some time in reflection of your goodness on this Christmas Eve, we simply just wanna say thank you. Thank you that you truly are God with us, Emmanuel that you didn't leave us on our own to figure things out, but that you walk alongside of us every day. You are good and you are faithful. And those are just two of a million different ways that we could describe who you are. And it's because of that, that we worship you. It's in the strong name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.